Welcome to Because That's What Heroes Do, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As you know from prior episodes, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative, and I are huge MCU fans. So we've decided to do the MCU movie oeuvre. That's right. We're going to do all of the MCU movies in this special podcast series. Over this series, we will take a look at the storylines, some of the cookies and other cool things. We'll describe the great action scenes from each um, episode, and then we'll take a look at issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you'll enjoy In this episode, we take up the comedic favorite, Ant-Man. Because That's What Heroes Do is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening. As you know from prior episodes, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative, and I are huge MCU fans. So we've decided to do the MCU movie oeuvre That's right. We're going to do all of the MCU movies in this special podcast series. Over this series, we will take a look at the storylines, some of the cookies and other cool things. We'll describe the great action scenes from each um, episode, and then we'll take a look at issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you will enjoy. In this episode, we consider Ant-Man. I know you will enjoy it. Popcorn and Compliance, the MCU series, is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Megan Doherty for our continued challenge, which is we're going to review the entire MCU on popcorn and compliance. Why? Well, number one, because it's there. And number two, we're both MCU uber geeks. Um, We will review the films as they appear in chronological order uh, in the MCU timeline, not by release date. Today, we continue with Ant-Man. I'm Tom Fox. Welcome to the extended series on popcorn compliance. I'm the voice of compliance and the founder of the Compliance Podcast Network. And I'm Megan Doherty, the co-founder of One Stone Creative. And uh, I'm going to start things right off by saying uh, this was the first time I saw Ant-Man. I did not watch it in my original run-through because it did not make the cut of movies that were essential before watching Endgame. So uh, I'm coming to it with reasonably fresh eyes, and I'm excited to hear your take, Tom. Of all of the MCU movies I saw in the theater, which was all of them, this was the one I despised the most. Um, I thought it was stupid. I thought the jokes were lame. I thought the Tell me how you really feel. Wait. Attack on his daughter. Uh, if you're going to do a damsel in distress, you know, don't take my daughter. Um, the whole thing, uh, the police officer character, I hated him. Um, but then when I rewatched it, and my wife as well, when we both rewatched it, we had a completely different perspective and like, hey, this is pretty good stuff. And uh, it really, um, 
I thought the storyline was great. In doing some research for this podcast, it turns out that Ant-Man was one of the original Avengers. Uh, He was also an adjunct to the Fantastic Four, who are my favorite characters in the Marvel, entire Marvel oeuvre, although not successfully brought to the screen as yet. So um, a lot going on in here, a lot in uh, the scope of the entire uh, Marvel history and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, Scott Lang is the Ant-Man. He eventually has that role in the comics as well. We're introduced to Hank Pym with the Pym Particles, certainly a part of uh, later uh, MCU movies as well. Uh, Michael Douglas was uh, a great inspired choice to play Hank Pym. Um, Action scenes were great. Uh, They had uh, some supporting characters that were just a hoot. Uh, And uh, it turned out I I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the uh, family dynamics part of it. And um, there was lots of family dynamics, not just Scott Lang and his now ex-wife, but also Hank Pym and his daughter and uh, his sort of adopted uh, son and son and son uh, as well, who uh, stole his corporation from him. So uh, a lot going on, lots of great action. Um, I understood um, what Ant-Man brought to some of the later movies that we'll talk about, which I didn't fully appreciate uh, as well because I despise this movie so much. But I, I found it to be a rollicking good time. Uh, lots of great action. Uh, I don't know how you feel about Thomas the Tank Engine, but I am a huge fan, of especially the Ringo Starr uh, voiceovers. And Thomas makes an appearance. So how can you how can you hate a movie that has Thomas the Tank Engine in it, um, even if he's in a giant form? That was going to be one of my very first points is that um, I I read an article a little while ago ranking all of the Marvel movies based on their inclusion of trains and the quality to which that inclusion took place. And Ant-Man actually came out uh, number one uh, in terms of how well uh, trains were utilized uh, as a plot device in the movie. So I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, The other thing that I really appreciated that I don't think I saw the only other one that might be close is Spider-Man, but I'm not quite sure, which is that when Scott Lang becomes the Ant-Man, he has to learn how to use his powers. And, and not so much his powers, but the abilities given him in the tech uh, through the PIM particle. And I ended up uh, enjoying him learning how to use his powers to shrink uh, to lead ants, to use ants and other insects as a part of his repertoire going forward. Um, so uh, that was pretty cool uh, as well, and I, I enjoyed that a lot. And it really spoke to kind of Scott Lang's internal journey uh, to move from Scott Lang uh, to the Ant-Man. It wasn't as silly as I had remembered it. Um, Spider-Man may go through that that same or similar journey. We haven't seen uh, the Spider-Man uh, as yet in the MCU. Uh, he's obviously in some other versions of Spider-Man put out by Sony uh, that are not a part of what we're doing right now. So um, I enjoyed that. Uh, Michael Douglas, I can't say enough about Michael Douglas. He is so he's great. great. Uh, and he pulls off Hank Pym with panache. Um, and I had completely forgotten the opening scene where uh, Peggy Carter is uh, mm-hmm. in and Howard Stark. It's in the late 70s or 80s, 
and they're both uh, aged appropriately in the scenes. And uh, I think um, I think I've spoke about my love for Peggy Carter on this series. So, uh, <laughs> once or twice. Once or twice. <laughs> so uh, we get to see Peggy Carter, and uh, she's an older woman. Uh, she's still one of the founders of Shield, and she and, and um, Howard uh, work very closely together. So uh, I really enjoyed that scene. I appreciated seeing Peggy Carter yet again and uh, really her being honored for her work throughout the MCU. What were some of the things, uh, in addition to the use of trains, that you particularly enjoyed? <laughs> well, I um, this movie is one of my favorite tropes, um, uh, which is you know bad guys that aren't really bad. So Lang's uh, little gang of of criminals trying to you know do their their burglaries, but definitely not robberies because robberies are worse. They're, they burgle, uh, and I thought like each one of them was hilarious, particularly Louis um, as a character. And and uh, the movie also was really strong on montages. So we had how you get the height, like any story Louis was telling um, with the voiceover and the actors uh, lip syncing what he was saying killingly funny i found them just absolutely hysterical and, and really really enjoyed them uh and his training montage as well was also really good so i thought you know there's trains that's great but also super strong montage use in the movie um and really taking advantage of, of the skills of the actors i think because there was some they let the funny people be really funny uh and then that was always a treat i agree that the fighting style was really cool and watching that progression of learning because scott lang is a really good everyman character you know unlike a lot of the other avengers or superheroes in this world he's just kind of like he's a science guy he's smart but he's just a dude uh and so uh you know watching him develop and learn these powers was was pretty awesome and uh the comparison to him with hope as well hank Pym's daughter was really interesting because she'd done all this training hoping for this role for so long uh and then of course you know dude shows up, um, expendable dude, I guess, but that really, I think made it a great father daughter relationship for me too. Uh, cause there's these competing desires and competing needs that they both have. Um, I loved Scott's relationship with his own daughter. Like they weren't as close as he wanted to be, but he gets her. And I thought that was really cool. Like giving the ugly doll figuring she'd probably like the giant ant as a pet. Like it was just a really nice, uh, I think friendly relationship between parent and child that I really enjoyed. Uh, and finally, I love the bad guy, uh, whose name is escaping me right now, um, but uh, the adopted son of Hank Pym, who took over the company, ousted him. Um, I really liked that he was like a super realistic bad guy. He wasn't going for world domination. He wasn't trying to take over several planets or wipe out most of the population of the universe. He just wanted more personal money and power. And that's that's like a really understandable villain. Uh, and it was nice to, to see him get taken down accordingly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was Darren Cross, and Darren Cross. Uh, I think you're absolutely onto something there in terms of his villainy. Uh, this was not Doctor Evil uh, demanding yeah. one million dollars. Um, <laughs> this was uh, my favorite movie. This was someone who wanted to create some tech to sell it so he could become an uh, oligarch, yeah. uh, a gazillionaire, or whatever. And uh, he built that uh, his company around that. The other thing that I really enjoyed was we got a sense of Hank Pym, how smart he was and how he was thinking 13 levels beyond mere mortals. But that was when uh, he had had his eye on Scott Lang since Scott's original crime, which I believe occurred six years prior to the events of Ant-Man. He hacks a corporation because they had uh, done some consumers and customers wrong Uh, He had blown the whistle and was fired. 
So he hacked them and released the information, and he went to prison over that. Well, uh, Hank Pym had had his eye on Lang since then, and he sets up this incredible Rube Goldberg uh, set of uh, circumstances to with money, a whisper campaign, uh, a good-looking girl, uh, some stupid guys uh, who like to talk. And somehow all of that works to get Scott Lang to break into Hank Pym's house to steal the um, Ant-Man suit, uh, which leads to uh, Scott Lang becoming Ant-Man. And I enjoyed that. That uh, You're right, that montage of that tale was just uh, hilarious. And um, But it really showed uh, Hank Pym, and you wish, or I wish, that he had been able to collaborate more fully with Howard Jarvis uh, because who knows, um, or Howard Stark, I should say, mm-hmm. um, who knows what they would have uh, been able to come up with. But it created a character that was, uh, uh, you know, at least in Howard Stark's league and uh, certainly with the Pym Particle. So uh, that that part was great uh, as well. Were there any uh, Easter eggs or what I would call cookies, but apparently the rest of the world calls them Easter eggs that uh, really <laughs> – uh, you enjoyed or attracted your attention? Um, I consider Judy Greer a cookie uh, whenever she appears. I just think she's a she's a great actress, and I always really enjoy her. Um, and the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids call out, uh, which was, I think, it happened during the initial shrinking or possibly a later shrinking, but you know, running from the horrifying ant um, before you learn that you are one with the ants and can run with the ants. Um, I, I thought that was great. I did have to look up the study of ants. is called Myrmecology. Um, so we all got to learn a little bit while watching uh, this movie, which I really enjoyed. Um, but those were kind of the main ones uh, I noticed. I didn't p- kept a whole lot of, of cookies or Easter eggs from this one, probably because I wasn't as I, I hadn't read the comics, and so it was newer to this particular chapter in the MCU. But, but what were your cookies? We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with more on. So the first one, I admit, I didn't pick up on, um, but uh, I'm going to have to go back to it. Uh, it. It was a great tribute, and let me see if I can find it now. It is the hotel that Scott Lang originally stayed at, the Milgram, I believe is the name of the hotel. Well, the Milgram was named for uh, the artist who created the Ant-Man comic. And I thought that was an incredibly cool uh, cookie. Uh, Yeah, the Milgram Hotel, named for Al Milgram. And uh, some great artwork from Al Milgram uh, at uh, Marvel. The um, tech that uh, Darren Cross used in his laboratory was, and this is pretty special to say, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, completely over the top, completely <laughs> over the top. And, it had its own trailers. <laughs> yes. And uh, so that's saying something because you have the Avengers, you have uh, Howard Stark, you have lots of other people with over the top tech. Well, Darren Cross's tech was completely over the top. So uh, I thought that was cool. It's really not an Easter egg, but uh, Cassie, the daughter, she's actually another character in the Marvel Cinematic, or not the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but in the Marvel Universe, she's also a superhero. Uh, But she was an incredibly precocious daughter 
And uh, I love precocious daughters, particularly <laughs> young ones, um, when they can get away with it. And uh, uh, so I really, uh, really like that, uh, that part as well. And um, uh, just, and of course, I mentioned Thomas the Tank Engine. Uh, <laughs> he, he explodes in growth. And uh, we get to see Thomas in all his glory. And if you've never watched Thomas uh, voiced by Ringo Starr, you, you have not lived. So, um, I'll check it out. I've got, I've got really strong Thomas the Tank Engine memories from when I was quite young, but I don't, I definitely wasn't appreciating voice acting. At well, the that's time. because I, Thomas wasn't around when I was young, but he was around when my <laughs> daughter was young. So in the uh, late nineties and early aughts, I watched a lot of Thomas the Tank Engine <laughs> and, uh, became a huge fan of Thomas the Tank Engine. And yes, we had Thomas the Tank Engine at my house. So uh, lots of Thomas, and uh, so I thought that was really cool. What about for you? Things I thought were really cool. I mean, the I, the kind of the company marketing aspect of the evil um, was was really enjoyable. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought it was it was a really fun movie, um, and and just kind of on the the premise that not every you know entry into the MCU needs to be a, a stunning philosophically profound epic sometimes they can just be fun superheroes where there's an ant dude um but i, I like they, they characterize the ants uh which i thought was a really nice touch uh uh and just the way human and insect were working together i thought was really pleasant um it was a fun movie it was yeah that's my final submission it was fun and i'm, I'm really excited to see you know, more of scott lang uh in the next episodes because he becomes like a really nice more everyman type character. And I think kind of the MCU sort of needed that at this phase. You know, that's a, that's a great insight that that's exactly what I felt like. This was fun. And as, as much as I've enjoyed this series and rewatching these movies, probably I had not felt fun like I felt uh, in this movie. So it's a palate cleanser. Um, yeah. Maybe that's a great way, uh, great way for us uh to end this. So I am Tom Fox, and I hope you'll join us for our next episode of Popcorn and Compliance, the MCU series. See you next time. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Because That's What Heroes Do. Hope you'll plan to join us for our next episode where we take a look at Avengers the Civil War. I'd also like to tell you about a special podcast series that has premiered on the Compliance Podcast Network, The Corruption Files. In The Corruption Files, I'm joined by Hughes Hubbard partner Mike DeBernardis, and we take a deep dive into some of the most interesting FCPA and international anti-corruption enforcement actions over the past 15 years, which have really created the modern era of FCPA and anti-corruption enforcement. Check out The Corruption Files on the Compliance Podcast Network, Megaphone, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Because That's What Heroes Do is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.